Hello and welcome to Great Ridge Station, a place to sit back and relax while waiting for your train to board. I'm your host, Sam Helgerson, and I'm pretty much a fixture around these parts. The goal here at the depot is to help you strengthen your own practice of leadership, no matter where you serve. Every episode will give you not only the background theory, but some practical tools that you can use right away. Great Ridge Station is a service of Great Ridge Group, LLC. Thanks for stopping in on your way through. Season 1, Episode 12. We're in a series on the questions we need to answer in order to lead ourselves well. We've made it to Part 4 of the series within a series, and this time around we might really be close to the middle of it. We'll see, these things kind of seem to have a mind of their own. So you already know this, but I'm trying to make these pieces theoretically sound, but also real-life practical. I'm not a fan of half-baked ideas about leadership. I'm the guy who wants to know that there's research to support their value, and at the same time, some ways that they can be put into action. As an educator, I take the approach that if you haven't been able to use it, you haven't really learned it. All that said, I hope you're finding this beneficial. Just a reminder, uh, the article that inspired this material is Peter Drucker's piece from Harvard Business Review called Managing Oneself. Now I'm going far beyond the scope of that original work, but you can expect to hear echoes of it in some of what I address in this series. So, with all of that in mind, let's dig into two more of the key questions that you need to understand in order to manage yourself well. The questions this time are, what do I have to offer And what do I want to be known for? So, let's start with the first one. What do I have to offer? I want to say first that this is not a question about strengths. We'll talk about strengths and weaknesses in an upcoming episode, so that's down the track a ways. But did you ever notice that it's a turbulent world? Things are changing all around us all the time, and sometimes we struggle to make sense of it all. Businesses and organizations face that same challenge. The thing that ought to give us pause is this simple fact. Most of the stress in our life is of human making. Now, it could be due to innovation, competition, market forces, current events, political challenges, public opinion, regulations, legal concerns. Take your pick. I will resist the urge to dig into each of these because that's not the point here. The point is that your business or your organization is sort of at the mercy of other businesses and other organizations that are full of people just like you. Now, I mean this kindly, but you are part of the mess. In most of those instances, it's human agency that creates the chaos and uncertainty. Your trouble, you are. Well, and so am I. See, this is the thing. We're all wired up very differently from one another, and because of that, we all create different complexities, and we all see things differently. That means we all have different things to contribute to the solutions to all of those problems we've caused. So, what do I have to offer is a contextual question. With all this stuff going on around me, we need to ask ourselves, what do I see that other people don't? That means looking at what's happening on the outside, the external forces that we have no control over, and on the inside, the response factors that we can have some control over. 
This requires a lot of self-awareness. But it requires more than that. It requires a level of situational awareness. Now, that term has been used extensively in law enforcement, military, and paramilitary domains. But I want to expand your thinking about it. Situational awareness is typically framed as tactical knowledge about what's happening now. And it is. But that word tactical tends to make us think that it doesn't apply to us. But it does. Think beyond the military applications and think about the practical implications. If you are aware of what is going on around you, you can learn to sort, to sort out what's really important. Now, as I've said before, I used to be quite the audio tweak. Now, tweak is basically a geek in the audio world, and it comes from our tendency to never leave well enough alone and to make constant adjustments, tweaks, to our audio system and its components. Here's why that matters. Okay, actually, it doesn't matter, but it was a good segue. In the audio world, there's a term called signal-to-noise ratio. Put simply, it's the difference between how much music you hear versus how much noise is generated by the system itself. In general, you want a high signal-to-noise ratio. Here's the problem in real life. We don't always know what signal and what's noise. What's important and what's distraction? We don't have a set of magic glasses that once we put them on, we can immediately tell what's important and what's not. Well, I do, but that's just my nearsightedness. We have to learn to distinguish between the stuff that doesn't matter and the stuff that does. Of course, it's not that the stuff that doesn't matter doesn't matter. It's just the stuff we can't change in any way. That's the noise we have to deal with. The stuff that matters, the things we can influence, becomes the signal. We have to learn to fine-tune our receivers so that we can get the signal and ignore the noise. And here's where what do I have to offer comes in. You're going to have a unique perspective on what's signal and what's noise, and you need to learn how to use that distinction in your own work. One of the things that I hammer on constantly is the need for leaders to step up and not passively accept everything as it comes by. I'm asking you to develop situational awareness self-awareness, and have the guts to do something with it. Tweak your own signal-to-noise ratio, not by being a critic, but by knowing when and where you should step in. Learn what you have to offer, but don't be an idiot. Now, here's what I mean. <laughs> if you've never heard of Maslow's hammer, it's an important principle to learn. Back in the 1960s, Abraham Maslow made the observation that if your only tool is a hammer you will tend to view every problem as a nail. That's a good point, because for you, a good signal-to-noise ratio involves knowing what you can do in a given situation. Your only tool better not be just a hammer. You'll need to assess what's going on and ask yourself, what do I have to offer? That gives you the ability to do something meaningful when other people are just frazzled and frantic. This goes along with our second question. What do I want to be known for? Now, give me a moment for a rant, please. I'm sick to death of people talking about leaving a legacy. When people talk about how important it is for them to leave a legacy, it's evident that they're living life out of an arrogant, self-serving perspective. 
If you're thinking about your legacy, you're not paying enough attention to honoring others and making a difference through your life and work. You'll notice that I frame this question in more immediate terms. What do you want to be known for? Not remembered for, but known for. Now, this encompasses two aspects of life. First, the character aspect. This seems to have gone away over the past several years, but when I was a young critter, my mentors always reminded me to guard my good name. Now, at this point, they usually quoted Shakespeare to me from Othello, but I don't know if they knew that or not. Here's the quote. Who steals my purse steals trash. Tis something, nothing, twas mine, tis his, and has been a slave to thousands. But he that filches from me my good name robs me of that with which not enriches him and makes me poor indeed. You see, that's an important aspect of what do you want to be known for. What does your name mean when people you know hear it? I know folks whose name stirs up very specific emotions in others, sometimes good, sometimes bad. A few years back, I was in an office and we had persistent, ongoing visits from a really annoying sales rep. So annoying, in fact, that we referred to him as the creature. Okay, that may not have been very polite, but the mere mention of his name, ding, guess what we thought. <sighs> now, at our church, we've had several kids named Sam over the past few years. Now, hear me out on this. I'm not suggesting they name these kids after me. That is simply not the case. But this is the case. I haven't spoiled the name. In other words, when they hear the name Sam, they don't go, Oh, the creature. Okay, well, maybe a few do, but those are my closest friends, and I would expect that from them. So be the sort of person who makes your name a positive thing, that you are known as an honorable person. Now, the other side of that, that what do you want to be known for question, is the flip side of what do you have to offer. Where do you need to hone your skills, your talents, and abilities so that you can be really useful? See, my brother-in-law is one of those people who can fix anything. I had a gas-powered weed eater that just kind of conked out on me a few years back, and he fixed it. And when he did, it ran better when I got it from him than it did when it was new. He can fix anything with a motor and gears, but he can also fix anything electronic. He's pretty amazing. So here's this great guy who has developed amazing skills, and he works at it. It might be a natural talent, but when he runs into a real challenge, he works on it, he thinks about it, he experiments with it, until he can finally resolve it. That hard work means he can fix anything. But equally importantly... He is a really kind-hearted man who cares about people. His kindness makes him willing to use his tangible skills to serve others. That is what he is known for. You can't be guarding your legacy and still get this right. Guarding your legacy makes you cautious. It makes you unwilling to take the necessary risk. All in the interest of that legacy. I may be willing to talk more about that in a future episode, if that's at all interesting to you. So follow me on Twitter, LJ Helgerson, and let me know. There is a practical feet-on-the-ground aspect to this question, and if there's not, well, you're probably kidding yourself. When you ask yourself what you want to be known for, remember that it involves both what you're like and what you know. 
both of those pieces need ongoing refinement. See, just like the episode on fragile leadership, let me remind you there's no sitting back and enjoying your expertise. It needs to be constantly refilled, constant effort into making it useful and meaningful. Now, your character needs constant refilling and shaping as well. Now, as a Christian, I rely on God to be active in that. And let me tell you, I'm a very different person today from whom I was even 15 years ago. So, you have some work to do. Let me encourage you to wrestle through these two questions. What do I have to offer? In other words, what do the circumstances around me demand? And how can I step up and do something to help the situation? And second, what do I want to be known for? What do my character and my skills bring to others? Have I been willing to abandon my own legacy for the benefit of others? So, now you have a few things to think about and act on in your own life. And I hope you're ready to step up and do that. But as my friend Jerry likes to put it, you gotta wanna. Thanks for joining us at Great Ridge Station. As the train boards and rolls on to its next destination, we hope you found your time here helpful. Consider what you've learned and what strategies and practices you can implement right now. If you have leadership questions that you'd like us to address, we'd love to hear from you, and you can find the questions link on our show page. We can't answer everything, but we'll watch for themes and big-picture questions and get to as many as we can. All content is developed by Dr. Sam Helgerson with appropriate citations of outside sources. Our sound engineer is Brick Martin. All background and bumper media is in the public domain and retrieved from archive.org. The opening music is from Guy Lombardo, Down by the River. The closing music is from Annunzio Montavani, Skyscraper Fantasy. Limited opportunities are available for supporting sponsorships. Contact information is available on our show page. I'm already looking forward to your next visit to Great Ridge Station. Bye-bye.